Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. want to start today with some thoughts. Um, over the past few weeks, we have been sharing and building on and in the message of discipleship. Well, I've listened to folks from Kentucky. Did you hear that? Discipleship? Anyway, we have shared the beginning that discipleship is to become a true believer in Christ through the baptism of repentance. It starts there. And by repentance, what I'm talking to you about is that, first of all, there is an admission that I did it. Whatever that it happens to be, I did it. I admit I am the one who did it. I don't find fault. I don't find blame. I say there were contributing factors, but I still chose to do it. Second of all, there's an acceptance that the it that I did was wrong. This is for repentance. The it that I did was wrong. But third of all, the it was sin. And I'll just share this with you until we get to the point where we accept and admit that the it is beyond wrong, but sin, we will never have true repentance because that is a transgression against God and not just something that offended or hurt somebody. Therefore, we have to admit it was sin. Then there is a forsaking of the it. We walk away from it. We commit it to Jesus. We ask for forgiveness and we walk away. And then there is a transformation of our heart and life that we do not go back to it. Not only do we leave it, we don't go back to it. We've also shared that as part of the repentance of baptism, there's also follows that the baptism of, of water. We have already had baptisms here, three people. Two of them are in service today. I don't see the third. They may be, no, not. Um, but we are already working towards someone else wanting to get baptized. Isn't that a glorious work? We will take that any day, any time, any Sunday, and we'll just celebrate again and again and again. I truly believe that the living, growing, dynamic church has people that want to get baptized or re-baptized as a celebration of the life of Christ in them and a testimony from them. Last week, I also shared one aspect of what it means to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I shared with you from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I shared with you before that what happened was, first of all, Jesus was baptized by water through John the Baptist. He then went into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He was victorious over the devil. He then uh, went on to other places. He called his first disciples. And then from that, only from that, did he start preaching, teaching, and healing. He preached the greatest sermon that was ever preached. It is called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And then from there, uh, he began with the attitudes to be and become, the Beatitudes. After that section of the Beatitudes, he uh, gives us a prerequisite, a forerunner of what we, I would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is that we should be salt and light. We shared with you that salt is not only a flavor enhancer, but it's also a preservational agent. It enhances the flavor of meat and the vegetables. <coughs> Pardon me. And then it also <coughs> works to be a preservation. It takes out and, de and, de and takes away the water in the meat and the vegetables to try to control the medium through which bacteria and spoils the meat and the food and grows. Salt. 
And we shared with you that as the salt of the Holy Spirit and God is in us, then the salt goes from us and we also have light of the Holy Spirit in our lives shining from us. We have to be not hid. We have to be not hidden under a basket, but we have to be light shining. I want to share with you this week also, and I forgot my notebook, I know. I didn't put it in. Um, today, I want to share with you another aspect of the work of grace that we have called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share with you this. I fear that across time, the ecumenical community, especially in the, in the Wesleyan Armenian traditions, have failed in many ways, and that sometimes right miserably in this. We have said that you should be love. We have said that you should be nice. We have said that you shared that you should be grace, but we did not share how to get to the Holy Spirit baptism. We did not share what it takes to get there, and that's what I want to focus on last week. Last week we shared what happens when you have it. Now let's share how do you get it. Before we do that, I want to share this with you. There are various terms, various terms that um, come to be when we hear about what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is the term entire sanctification. Entire sanctification. What is meant by that is that there is an initial sanctification of when we come into repentance. God cleanses our hearts through the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us from all sin. But in the entire sanctification, i.e., when the Holy Spirit comes in us and fills us and baptizes us, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to where our carnal nature, our desires, uh, are purged and we become one with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. The same Christ who died and then laid in a tomb for three days was resurrected. And when we become entirely sanctified, we then become resurrected with Jesus. And it is no longer us, but Christ that dwells in us. Hence, Paul says our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is another term that we use that, we, that is used by others. It's called total heart purity. It's a phrase, but it means basically the same thing. We are purified from the bent to sin, not the temptation, but the bent, the desire, the enslavement to sin, to where we cannot help but sin because the carnal nature is purified. The bent is taken away, and therefore we are purified and we have total heart purity. There is a phrase that many Calvinists, mainly people, will use, and that is called making Christ the Lord of your life. I have shared before with you that my late wife was raised in a very Baptist church. I loved Dr. Pierce. He was a three, sort of four-point Calvinist, but even he called it making Christ the Lord of your life. I love the man. He had uh, one of the most brilliant minds I have ever known. And we had some disagreements theologically, but even he said, on, even as it pertained to this, we agree 100% about 90% of the stuff. We have differences of vernacular on 8%, which means we're arguing about 2%. I don't say that lightly. The body of Christ is not to be divided. And when we're arguing about 2%, we're arguing about a grain of sand on the entire beach of the world. Did we get that? We can agree about a lot of stuff. I am not as concerned about what we call it as I am that we own it, we possess it, we have it. This baptism of the Holy Spirit, this entire sanctification, this total heart purity, this making Christ the Lord of your life, whatever name you want to call it, I'm going to share you, with you this. It is a crisis point in our life. 
It is a crisis experience. Biblically, honestly, and I'm going to make up a word, so teachers, please ignore this. Descriptionally, it describes what happens. It is a crisis moment, an experience. This same crisis experience makes us able to be victorious over sin as long as we stay in the salt and in the light. I will share this with you also. In Acts 2, it happened for the first time. It happened again in Acts 4 for the same people. It is a dying daily. Not only is it important that you receive the Holy Spirit, but you also get up each morning and die daily so that Christ and the Holy Spirit are manifest and renewed in your life today. Ladies and gentlemen, have you done that today? Have you gotten out of bed and said, God, I need you more than I've ever needed before. I want a new infilling and a new touch of God the Holy Spirit in me, for me, to me, with me, that now the Holy Spirit will be light from me. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Both Jesus and the Apostle Paul referred to this experience of the Holy Spirit. There are an incredible amount of verses and passages that I can use. I will not do all of them. Believe me, we will not want to be here for that long um, in one sermon. We can cover it in a series of sermons, but I will not do it in one. I'm going to choose Matthew. I could choose out of John chapter 14 all the way to John 19, for some, or 21, 20 rather, for the Holy Spirit about Jesus. John 14, I will receive, I will send the Holy Spirit. John 15, if you're going to have the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit. John 16, 17, he prepares them and then the uh, high priestly prayer. John 18 and 19, the, the uh, crucifixion. John 20, the resurrection. John 20, Jesus comes to them and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Are we getting it? And yet there's two passages I want to focus on as well. The first one is in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 34, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, huge, take up his cross, huge, and follow me. First, it is available for the if anyone, anyone, everyone that calls themselves by the name of Jesus, the baptism, the infilling, the second blessing, the crisis moment, the whatever you want to call it is available to anyone. Second is to come after Jesus, not just knowing of Jesus, but true discipleship by coming after Jesus. Third, this is the denial life of self. Deny himself. Are you getting that? Self. Self. His life in me and in charge. And fourth, there will be a cross to take. It is our cross of all else left as priority. Does that mean you just suddenly quit your job and sit at home and wait? No. You become light wherever you are, whether it's an Air Force base it is a cheese factory. It is uh, wherever you work. You are light. Restaurants. So the crudest times I've had were not around Marines. They were in restaurants and hospitals. Believe me, nurses know how to, Debbie can tell you this, nurses know how to take the wallpaper off the wall with their language. Doctors are just as bad. And I've heard Marines talk cleaner than those. 
Wherever you are, you are light and salt. You are not to quit necessarily, but what you are is your focus completely changes. The second passage I want to go to is this, Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. I did not print it, but I'm going to summarize it, the story of the unclean spirit. You may remember the story well. Jesus tells a parable. A parable is a story that they can understand to and relate with with a spiritual, complete spiritual overtones and message. A house is dirty. The house has gone into. It is cleaned. It is cleaned out. It is less spotless. It is absolute boot camp clean. Are we getting it? But it's also left E-M-P-T-Y, empty. And the, the devil that was there, hence the spiritual, went back and saw it was completely empty. He didn't go back in. He went out and got seven more like himself. And so the end result was worse than the first because it came in to re-infill. The idea there is this. The message there is this. The command there is this. The, the uh, sermon there is this. Get clean. Initial purity. Initial separation. Initial sanctification. But get filled. Entire cleanness. Entire purity. Entire sanctification. Because when he, the God, the Holy Spirit, when he, the Holy Spirit from God, comes in to dwell within us, there is no room for Satan to come back to, in, to within us as well. Paul also gives a couple of, uh, two of them I'm going to use from Paul. He does a lot. Every letter he talks about is the holiness life. But he all, I want to first focus on Galatians and 1 Thessalonians. In Galatians 2.20, he says this. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And the life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. I am still in this fleshly body, but the life I am now living is not me, but it is the new faith of walking in the new Holy Spirit life of the Holy Spirit dwelling and living in me. Another passage I want to share with you is this, 1 Thessalonians, and there are two verses there. Chapter 4, verse 7, and chapter 5, verse 23. I am not going to go on in 1 Thessalonians in some of this, and I'm not going to go to Hebrews because I'm going to let you dig and do some Bible homework and do it as well. But I want to share this as well. Chapter 4, verse 7, For God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. He is already he is writing this to the church and the saints of God in Thessalonica. And yet he is exoner, er, uh, ex, uh, telling them, whatever the word I'm trying to spit out, sorry, that he has not called us to impurity, but holiness. And then verse 523, now may the God of peace himself, see how he started it and see how he went to it? May the God of peace himself sanctify you, what? Completely. A completed work. Not an initial work, a completed work of grace. And may your whole spirit, your soul, your body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Not only cleansed, 
but kept blameless. Kept blameless. You can stay and live and dwell in a right relationship with Jesus to where you do not have to sin. You can get beyond it because of who? God, the Holy Spirit in you. These select passages are only but a few of what it means and that we are called to be sanctified. Yet what I fear is that we don't do it, and as I have shared. First, let me share this with you, though. This decision is not a lax decision. It is not a happenstance decision. It is not a light decision. It is not a human-centered decision. It is a crisis moment time when you say, I am so tired of this. I am so desperate for this. I need this. I am t- I, it is now time for me to do it. I have to have this. It is unmistakable. It is undeniable. It is unforgettable. And I can tell you, if you go through this crisis moment and come to the point of where God the Holy Spirit feels you, you can point to the time and the place. I was driving down the road and I pulled over at a rest stop on I-70 and that's where it happened or whatever. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Can you point to a time and a place? Are you living above, without, and devoid of sin, living, and life in you? It is a spiritual crisis experience. It is a spiritual crisis experience. I want to share with you now the theme, the text, and the sermon in a sentence for us today. The theme the text, and the sermon in a sentence. Our theme this morning is this, the crisis moment, the journey to sanctification. Our text is a springboard text, and I am coming out of Luke's gospel. It is a message that Jesus himself said, and again, he himself spoke of us having the Holy Spirit. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, notice that, evil people can give good gifts. You can be a sinner and a horrible person, but still give good gifts to your kids. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? How much more will He, the the Father, give Him the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? Our sermon and sentence is this, ladies and gentlemen. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a second crisis work of grace that is available to all. Yes, there is a colon there. It is not a typo, and we will get to that. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a second crisis work of grace that is available to all. Our first point is this. Our first point is this. To receive the Holy Spirit, there must be desperately broken We have to be desperately broken. We will be reading from Romans 7, 15 through 24. Most of that, I'm not going to go through and read it all, but I'm going to point out some verses in there. Point A comes from this. Point A, verse 15. I do not understand my own actions. Boy, that's Paul, the apostle, who was one of the most brilliant minds of the world at that time. I do not understand my own actions. What I do not want to do, what I don't want to do, is what I am doing. I do the very things that I H-A-T-E, hate. I'm enslaved 
to the things I cannot control. Desperately broken. I'm enslaved to the things I cannot control. I don't want to do them. I am enslaved from the things I desire to be. Desperately broken. The things I want to do, I cannot do. I am desperate. I am broken in a spiritual prison. That is the context and the, and the study idea that Paul shares. I am broken in a spiritual prison of doing that which is sin despite what I earnestly desire to be and to do. Different by a new spiritual DNA is what I want to be and do. Desperately broken for this new DNA, spiritual DNA, is what I want to be. I want to be transformed. I want to be a different person. Yes, in this body, but no, not this sin nature that is in me and I cannot get away from. In the medical field, sometimes we do transfusions. We do a cross and match. We, try to, we, have, we have made sure that we've got the right blood for the right person. We make sure that it is compatible with your blood type. There are universal donor types and there are universal recipient types. And i.e. the universal donor, they can go to anybody. The universal recipient, they can receive any kind of blood type. But there are others that can only receive certain types of blood. The universal, but also it's a lot better if we can match it exactly. DNA means I cannot take some kinds of blood if I have certain types of blood. Mine, you can give me anything. But there are people who cannot. DNA. And Paul is talking here about needing a spiritual DNA complete transfusion. Point B is this, from verse 17 through 18. From verse 17 through 18. Verse 17. So now it is no longer I who do it, but S I in that it dwells within me. Incredibly powerful. I've been cleansed of the sin that I did, but that sin nature dwells within me. What Paul is sharing is, with us is this. This is what he went through on the Damascus road. This is what he has encountered in his life. And he is sharing with the church at Rome his journey so that they would have their journey, so that they too, like he, would have a crisis experience. No, you probably will not be knocked off of a high horse and have your eyesight taken and hear a literal voice from heaven, but you will have a crisis moment and experience. Verse 18, I know nothing good dwells in me. What is in me is the carnal sin nature does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire, you can have the desire to do good, but not have the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I desire to do what is right, but not the ability of myself to carry it out. I'm doing things I don't want to do. It is sin that dwells in me. Sin nature, it is mine. This is why I need that same new DNA transfusion. 
And folks, it really is sin, the devil making you do it. A little boy brought his mommy toast. And then he brought, him, brought her cheese, and then he brought her ham, and he didn't put them together. Wasn't that special? Mom said, Johnny, why didn't you put it together? Well, the devil made me do it. You know, we sometimes cop out on things that, that we can correct and know to correct and can correct. But when it is the sin nature, it is the sin in you and the devil making you do it. The sin nature that is within me is beyond my ability to resist. The nature that is within me is beyond my ability. I can't do what I want to do. It is the sin within me. It goes beyond repentance for the actions committed. And that is the baptism of repentance. And to the nature of sin in me, the need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have the desire to be without sinning, but cannot do so on my own. This reinforces what Paul would later go on to say to another church. I am crucified with Christ, and I live, yet not I, but Christ in me is alive. He resurrected me after crucifying myself. He resurrected me through the life of the Holy Spirit in me. I am the same physical person. It's my body that you recognize, my ugly face that got shaved this week and nobody mentioned, and I'm so upset. I'm teasing. I'm using that for silliness, but to drive a point home, not just to be comical. I'm in the same body. But the spirit in me is different. I am transformed by the renewing. I am crucified with Christ, and I live, yet not I, but Christ in me. That's what this refers to, ladies and gentlemen. Desperately broken. Point C is this, verses 22 through 24. Verses 22 through 24. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. The law of God, the spirit, the spirit life. The spirit law. But I see in my members, i.e. my physical body, my mind, my thought life, another law waging war against me and against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I'm enslaved. I've got shackles. When I worked in a prison as a nurse, we would have people coming in in trip gear. They had ankle bracelets connected to the waist, brace, waist, and they had hand chains connected to the waist. They were in trip gear. I am enchained by this sinful nature. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death that is in this sin body in the sin in me? Desperate brokenness. The life of the Spirit and the law of God is a delight, but I cannot do it. The war in my mind and the struggle in my fleshly desires is ongoing and indwelling and has residence in me. What I desire is not done. My struggle and war is lost by me because of sin, DNA, dwelling in me. The condition of my soul, mind, body is wretched. Who can deliver me? Desperate brokenness. Sin enslaving. I cannot go on without someone else delivering me. But folks, there is an answer. 
The gift of the Holy Spirit is the second work of grace. It's a crisis work of grace that is available to all. Here's the first passage after the colon. Who will be desperately broken for it. For him. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Point one was desperately broken. Point two is desperately seeking. Desperately seeking. We will be focusing on two passages of Scripture. Romans 8, 1 through 2 is the first one. It, it follows right after Romans 7. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't leave us dangling. He doesn't leave us wondering. He doesn't leave us hopeless. He goes right into what we call Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. Who will separate me? Who will deliver me? Who can help me? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, not the law of the sin, but the law of the spirit of life, has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Desperately seeking no condemnation. Desperately seeking to be in Christ, desperately seeking to be in Jesus, desperately seeking beyond what I am to a deeper walk and forgiveness of Jesus in my spirit, desperately seeking, now that the blood of Jesus has cleansed me of all sin, that I would be dead to sin by having the Holy Spirit cleanse within and I would be holy of sin within me. Did we get it? Are you tracking with me? Are you understanding what I'm trying to share? There is a life that we can have. It's a crisis life, but we can be free. Point B is this. Point B. Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not have your spiritual DNA to be of this world, folks. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Desperately seeking transformation. Desperately seeking newness. Seeking the purging of the sin nature. See why it's such a crisis experience? It is a war. It is a war. I cannot do what I don't want, what I want to do. I only do what I do not want to do. And I'm always at this war. I have moments where I break through and then it drags me down. It is a W-A-R. God the Holy Spirit is the nuke to this war spiritually of the flesh. Seeking and being in Christ, being beyond being forgiven. Romans 1, 7 helps us contextually. We've been talking about Romans, so let's go with the context, can we? Romans 1, 7 sets up this entire book that we call Romans. It's a letter, a long letter to the church at Rome. I don't know how long it took him to write with the way that they had to write it. Who knows? Hours, days, maybe even weeks. But Romans 1, 7 says this. He writes it to those who are called to be saints. A lot of Paul's letters are addressed to the saints of God in the church of. They're already saints. And then he admonishes them on how to continue to be with Jesus, walking the life of the Holy Spirit. 
and don't return. But in Rome, it's different. To those who are called to be saints, you haven't gotten there yet. You're believers, but you haven't gotten there yet. Thus, this is a deeper, deeper life of the Holy Spirit to indwell within us. It is seeking belonging and having the spirit of life, the life of the Holy Spirit in me. Seeking freedom from the enslavement of the nature of sin in me through Jesus Christ. In me, his nature, his purity, his power, his persona, his purpose, his victory. Seeking freedom from the enslavement of the nature of sin in me through Jesus Christ. Point C is still also from that same passage. Point C is that from that same passage, so I just rewrote it up there so you could follow it. Follow it. Holy bodies for holy living for holy God. Holy worship with holy newness in the Holy Spirit to our holy God. In Habakkuk we read the complaints Habakkuk the prophet cried out to God with. In chapter 1 verse 2 it starts of Habakkuk. It is a very short book, a very short letter to the children of, to the children of God. But then he, on, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 18 through 19, he is closing his letter and he says, Still I will praise him from complaint, from brokenness to celebration in Christ, in God. In God. Holy mind with holy thoughts by holy change. Holy mind, holy thoughts because of a holy change. To be with holy affections. It deals with, let me, let me tie it in with a physical, biological organ. It's called the amygdala. The amygdala lights up like a Christmas tree when we're having the time of our life. It is what gets us addicted to things. The good things. It shrinks way down when we are not liking something or we are feeling emotionless. Like the Iceman who committed over 300 murders and had no remorse. Spiritually, the Holy Spirit transforms our amygdala physically. The Spirit of God transforms the amygdala of our bodies to where we now have delight in the things of God and become addicted to the presence of God so that we walk in the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit of God within us. There's a discovery, folks. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a second work of crisis, second crisis work of grace that is available to all. Here's a second part after that, colon, who desperately seek it. Point one was desperately broken. Point one was desperately broken. Point two was desperately seeking. Seeking. And point three is desperately surrendering. Come to the point to where no more. I'm done. I have to have it. Not in an hour. 
I have to have it now. We will look at Hebrews 12, 18 and verses 22 through 24. We will look at 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, as well as 21 through 22, and we will look at a passage in 2 Corinthians. Point A is this, Hebrews 12, 18, and then 22 through 24. You have not come to what may be touched, i.e. what we can understand, what we can grasp, what we can comprehend, what we can reach out and, and kind of get an idea about. And then he lists it, a blazing fire. We know what a blazing fire is. Darkness, we kind of get an idea of darkness. At midnight, it's dark. Gloom and a tempest. We have been through storms. In verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the holy Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels in festival gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the Holy Spirit of righteousness made perfect, and to Jesus. Boy, that's a lot of ands that we cannot understand and grasp in our human finiteness, but we can come, we come to and we have available to us to come to this incapable in of grasping in our hands our minds, but we can still follow because of the blessedness of what happens there. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than the word, better word than the word of Abel. What's that about? What's that last part about? If you go back to the Old Testament, there was Cain and there was Abel. Abel gave the choice and the preferred. We don't know how they knew to do that. The Bible doesn't tell us how, but they knew to do it. Later, the book of Moses, as we call it, the book of the law, was written so that we would know what that meant. Cain and Abel evidently knew. Abel brought the more preferred sacrifice, the first fruits, the preferred, and laid it at the altar and gave an animal sacrifice and sprinkled the blood from whence we get the blood of the goats and the sheep and then from there the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. The preferred sacrifice, the preferred worship, and then the blood of Abel also cried out for justice because Cain killed his own brother, as you know. And yet this sprinkling of blood in on us, with us, through us, for us is greater because it has transformed us completely. This new covenant from Jesus of the Holy Spirit to us is part of the Trinity and speaks out more than that from Abel. Verse 18, this desperate surrender to the Holy Spirit is holy surrender to the holy being, the holy presence of the holy infilling into a life he desires to make holy. Not something that is perishable, but imperishable and eternal. This desperate surrender is to be and bring and emanate that holy L-I-G-H-T that we spoke of last week in you, to you, for you, from you, as you are now filled with the salt of the Holy Spirit in you, to you, and now from you. Darkness is G-O-N-E gone. We know, remember light, Dispels darkness. If I have a flashlight, I can see where I could stumble. The Holy Spirit lights up. These are things you should steer around. <clears throat> man was talking with the sun, and the sun always backed out of the same back, 
out of the same driveway, went the same route, and, all, and almost always ended up busting a tire. Why do you go that way, son? Well, that's where I go. Why don't you go around the block? Well, that's a little longer. Always busting the tire. Always going. Always buying. Always broke. The Holy Spirit is a light to say, uh-uh, that's the pothole. That's the pothole. Time to go a different way. Be around different influences. Separate yourself from different habits. Be transformed by your mind. Not do what you've always done and the way you've always done it with the same thing, ways you've done it. But be different with different spiritual DNA. The desperate surrender to become part of the holiest of identities. Heavenly citizenship. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, your citizenship is not of this world. You go down the citizenship areas of this world. You may go down and traverse the paths of this earth, but your citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of the state. That does not mean we will not drive to other states. In three weeks, we will be driving through many states, but that does not make us citizens of Tennessee or of Kentucky. It makes us still stay citizens of our state. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our identity is in heaven. We have heavenly citizenship. We have company, heavenly company of innumerable angels. We actually, from the scriptures, we actually are in the heavenly of heavenlies in our citizenship, in our spirit, and we have the company of angels. I cannot always explain it. I cannot comprehend it, but it is not something I can comprehend and grasp, but it is still the heavenly of heavenlies of innumerable angels and how I need them at times, how you will need them at times, and how we both can have them at times through the Holy Spirit. There is heavenly communion. It is a festival gathering. You, in your surrender, ignite a holy festival, a holy celebration, a holy praise because of your holy surrender. When we get to heaven, we will have the marriage supper of the Lamb, but until then, we ignite a holy celebration of another person coming home to have the Holy Spirit indwelling. Point B is this, 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, and 21 through 22a. But as he who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Ladies and gentlemen, that desperate surrender is surrendering ourselves to this desire and this command of God to be, become holy, even as God is holy. God would not have given us a command if he did not provide the provision and make it possible for us to have the promise. Verse 21 and 22a, also through him you are the believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 22a, this is the big part of all of that. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, transformation, spiritual DNA, 
complete newness, Holy Spirit infilling. Crisis moment, undeniable, indescribable, totally attainable. This desperate surrender is a surrendering of our incapability to his full ability of his full infilling. We are and uh, we are and we were incapable of living a pure life in and of ourselves, but the Holy Spirit lives it through us, for us, in us. The des desperate surrender of being transformed from a life of impurity to being purified of the soul, the very core of our spiritual being. Does that mean you won't make mistakes because you burnt the toast or whatever? No. Does that mean that you're not going to say things or do things that may be taken wrong? No. But the intent of the Spirit is different. The goal of the Spirit is changed. The ideas of the mind are completely transformed. The affections of the mind, body, soul are completely new. Are we getting it? Are we understanding it? It is a labor. It is a war. It is a labor. It is a battle. We are celebrating Labor Day. It is a labor, but it is winnable. Hebrews 12, 14, without which no one will see the Lord, but with holiness we will see the Lord. Point C is this. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. We understand it. Remember, we, don't, we can't grasp it. Now the veil is removed. This desperate surrender leads to veil removed. Our minds transformed. Verse 17, but the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is a verse I learned in quizzing as a teenager. And it has stuck with me the rest of my life. This desperate surrender of freedom. We surrender our incapabilities and we are made new and come out of solitary spiritual confinement of a dungeon of incapability and entrapment. Verse 18, and all with unveiled face, remember the veil is removed, beholding the glory of the Lord, we can see his glory now because the veil is removed even from us so that we can now see it because of the Holy Spirit in us. We are being transformed into the same image, His image, the same image of the Lord, because He has given us His Holy Spirit. I can't quite comprehend that or grasp that. I don't know that anyone can, but I can tell you this. We can possess it. We can have it. We can live it. It's provided, it's for us, it's ours. The victory is this. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a second crisis work of grace that is available to all, colon, who will seek for it so that we, you, I, can obtain it. The question of the hour is not a question of if the Holy Spirit or sanctification is obtainable. The question of the hour is not 
a question of if the Holy Spirit sanctification is available. The question of the hour is not a question of if the Holy Spirit sanctification is even biblical. The question is this. If you, I, or we will take the journey, not only from a crisis moment, but from a daily moment, dying daily, in the crisis moment, we surrender everything that we are. In the daily moment, we continue to stay there. Again, if you have received the Holy Spirit, did you surrender again today? If you have not, today's a great day. Desperately broken, desperately seeking, and then desperately surrendering. Every day, each day, today, dying daily. There's a voice calling thee from an old rugged tree. It whispers, draw closer to me, leave this world. Far behind, there's new heights to climb and a new place in me you will find. So whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what I am willing to do, are you? Whatever it takes for my will to break. The house not sold yet? That's hard. Don't even ask Karen. I'm just going to tell you. That's what I'm willing to do. Kids not saved? Yet? Situations not changed, struggles not resolved. We learned uh, Wednesday night that without trust, there's a lot of consequences. Folks, you've got to come Wednesday night. We'll make room. We'll just put up another table. That's not hard. Believe me, there's an average of three to four guys there, and we can, we can put up some tables. Depression, giving up, even suicide ideations. I'll trade sunshine for rain, comfort for pain. That's what I'm willing to do. And whatever it takes. I will to break. That's what I am willing to do. I think you know it. Oh, to Jesus I surrender. Oh, to Him I freely. 
I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Sing it if you know it. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Will you stand with me? And let's sing that together. And if this is a prayer of yours, a new today or brand new today, will you show up by an uplifted hand, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody needs to know who's doing what. And I mean that. This is between you and God. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. Redo it today now. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live i surrender all i surrender all Thank you for these people who have made a new commitment or a recommitment to Jesus of the Holy Spirit. Let it be real. Let it be covenant. And let it make us salt and have salt that we would be light. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, we cannot help it. I pray, Lord, that there would be victory over sin. That there would be freedom in the Spirit because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I pray, Lord, that with the desperateness of all of these things, there would be victorious living, victorious sharing, and victorious anticipating of going to heaven to be with Jesus. Someday, by us, with you. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.